Hello, and welcome to the Ramgad Pod. I am your host, Jason Economou, and this is my podcast. Today's guest is somebody that's probably familiar to a lot of you in the realtor community. Her name is Cassandra Abdul, and she is the executive director of Nahale O'Malley. Today's episode largely focuses on the organization rather than the individual. She's here in her capacity as executive director because I absolutely love what they do. I love the community land trust model for providing affordable housing in perpetuity. I think it is a brilliant model and it's a model that demonstrates, you know, Nahali O'Malley specifically is an organization that demonstrates that realtors really are leaders in the community and realtors can have a lasting, like in perpetuity, lasting impact on their community in a really positive way, especially when they get together and, you know, they have the the set goal of helping people. And I, I think Nahale O'Malley is a prime example of the types of sort of solutions we need to be focusing on when it comes to affordable housing. And really just, it's a great example of what happens when people come together with a clear goal in mind. Cassandra is a really amazing person. I love talking to her. She's super sweet. Um, we I learned that we're both kind of nerdy as far as just reading terrible pop fiction in our free time, so that's cool. And the other thing that we discussed is we both have the goal of increasing the membership for Nahale Maui because we want the realtors to really come out and support it. And, you know, as a representative for an organization like RAM, I can tell you that when I'm going to testify, it is impactful for me to say I am here on behalf of, you know, our 1,700 plus members. That adds gravity to everything that I have to say. And Cassandra, in, in this episode, she makes the point. If we increase the membership, and it costs $36 to be a member, a one-time payment of $36, that money goes into the program. It helps cover all their costs. It helps them provide housing to people. So for $36, not only are you helping provide housing, but also when Cassandra goes and testifies on either you know, in support of a project or in support of some sort of legislation that would assist their program, it, it is impactful if she can say, I am here on behalf of Nahale Maui and we have a thousand members. I, I would really love to see that goal. I know realtors, on average, you are making more than $36 a year. I know it's tough times, but if you can spare it, please, please, please be willing to um, be a little charitable during this difficult time in our country's history. Uh, really just forget about, forget about your feelings about the country, just Maui County. Maui County is, is going through a rough time, high unemployment, the pandemic's crazy. Realtors and the real estate market, we're, we're in a position where the market is actually doing quite well compared to other industries and we can really help in our community right now because you know we've we've been given a good market a good housing market so let's just think about being good stewards of that and passing that on to others i don't want to go into any ram updates for this episode other than you know please participate in our ram ghoulish affairs costume contest i was working on my costume last night i'll put up some pictures once it's finished 
I, I am entering the costume contest, and as Ghoulish Affairs Director, I don't care if I win my own costume contest. Uh, if you guys think that's inappropriate, you need to submit uh, submissions for the costume contest and compete with me, because I am really interested in a digital download of the Monster, Monster Squad from 1987. Now, uh, another quick thing I want to tell you is, in addition to this episode, after I finish this intro and uploading the episode, I'm going to sit down again and I'm going to do a separate episode explaining the Charter Amendments. The most common question I've been getting from members, but also from friends and family. I was in a shrink appointment yesterday and my shrink actually asked my opinion on these charter amendments. He asked me to explain them to him. So I'm just going to do an episode where I explain the charter amendments, try and explain both sides as best I can, try and stay somewhat neutral, and that'll come out this week as well because everybody's starting to get their ballots now. So if you haven't gotten your ballot and you are registered, give it a couple of days and then reach out to um, the, the voter registration, see, see what's up. But now time for the episode and yeah, thanks for listening. Please introduce yourself. Hi, Jason, Cassandra Abdul. I am executive director of Nahali Omawi. We are a 501c3. That means we are a nonprofit approved by the IRS. And what we do is provide housing alternatives for low to moderate income households in Maui County. What um, are the housing alternatives? What do you mean by that? Well, if you look at what's going on in the normal market, most of our homeowners are, I'm sorry, most of the families in Maui are renters. The other alternative is home ownership, but home ownership keeps moving further and further away from many, many of our families. So the alternative is a community land trust where we keep the land in trust forever. We sell the improvements to the homeowners. So it is a leasehold arrangement. It's for 99 years um, with a renewable option where the homeowner can extend for another 99 years. So just short of 200 years. So we're talking generations here. And you can leave it to your children. They do not have to be income qualified. If you left it to someone outside of your direct lineal descendants, then they would have to be income qualified. Or if it were sold again, it also goes to an income qualified family. And that's how we're able to keep it affordable in perpetuity. It never goes to market. Doesn't matter how many sales we have, how many families there are, it stays affordable. That's, that's what pretty we awesome. do, that's the alternative. I, I love your model. I, I love the concept of affordable in perpetuity. I know that that idea and even saying those words frightens some people. Um, why do you think there, there has been backlash against the concept of affordable in perpetuity? I, I really can't imagine um, where, where it actually is sourced. There are a couple of thoughts though. You know, at one time, um, the big, um, landowners on Oahu, much of that is leasehold, but much mm. of it was commercial. Um, it was big um, entities like Queen uh, Liliokalani, Queen Emma, um, Kamehameha Schools, and they also had quite a bit of residential land. When those leases were first written, they were set for, let's say, 30 years, 
and and they uh, had step ups built into it. So the rent did increase. But when these leases were first created, nobody ever imagined that land in Hawaii would grow and be as valuable as it is today or as quickly as it did. Mm. So basically, the landowner got less than market rent during the first 30 years. Then when it reopened for the first time, there was a formula. It was the current market value of the land times a rate of return. Well, the land had gone up so high that the rent, you know, you multiply it out, the rent jumped. Um, I know of at least one case in Kahala where the, it rented, uh, it jumped over a thousand percent. Wow. That particular transaction, I believe, went to arbitration. And the arbitrators gave the ground owner more than they asked for um, because it is, it's based on a formula. You know, what's the land worth today? What's the rate of return on that type of land? And that's the rent. So there was kind of this backlash from that was one thing. Number two um, is not understanding. We do have Hawaiian homes and our program can be compared to that in some sense but um, we have no blood quantum requirement. And we set our ground rent not based on the value of the land. We uh, start at $45 a month and it only goes up every five years by the rate of inflation. So the first houses we sold way back in let's say 2010 or so, they started at two, I'm sorry, at $40 a month. And the first step up took it to $44.50. So we subsidize the property. It affords them a purchase price and an amount to be mortgaged that is much lower than if they were buying a regular market rate home and having to put 20% down. So I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of it is fear of unknown. We don't really understand it. I, I invite anybody to learn more about our program. And I believe that the more you learn, the more you will like our program. Uh, our home buyers can actually buy with 5% down. That's 3% on a Fannie Mae loan, 2% closing. The hardest part is, you know, saving up for your down payment, right? So conventional world, 20% down. Community Land Trust, 5% down. If you don't have quite enough cash to close, Nahaleo Maui will make a grant, a matching grant of up to $10,000 for each house. Wow. Now, wow. there are a couple of circumstances where you would have to repay that. One is if you sell the house, the grant would have to be repaid. If you stop being an owner-occupant, it has to be repaid. And if you refinance for a less than lower interest rate and lower payment, then you would have to repay the grant. Otherwise at 15 years, it is forgiven. Wow, that so is substantial. This is, this is a huge thing for our families, right? So we do everything we can and the sale price. Um, you may not be aware that we were blessed to be able to buy 12 finished lots from West Maui Land Company in the Kahoma subdivision. We spent a lot of time and effort and we built out 12 single family homes. And um, what's so amazing is we were actually able to close the last home in August of this year. But what I was trying to get to is that we had 
appraisals on these houses, leasehold appraisals of close to 800,000. Wow. Yes. Because there are special ways to appraise community land trust properties. It's very different than regular properties. And we sold them a three bedroom, two bath, and uh, for starting at 390,000. That's incredible. 420,000, I believe. And the four bedroom, two and a half bath was 460,000. That is, that's actually that's affordable. affordable. Yeah. That, that's affordable <laughs> for our workforce. And these are the people that we're trying to help is our workforce. I have not seen a, a house that low in, in a very long time. And this is new construction that you're selling at, at that low of a, of a rate. That's incredible. Absolutely. You guys are. And they're beautiful homes. Um, you know, sometime um, we'll sit down and I'll share some of the pictures that we have on them. Really nicely finished. They do not look like low income homes. And the other thing that's so amazing about our program, the Community Land Trust program, we have a resale formula. So let's say we start off with the appraised value. Say it appraises at 800,000 and you buy it for, I don't know, 500,000. So we set up an initial ratio of 500 divided by 800. That's a hard number because I can't do that in my head. Yeah, that's a tricky <laughs> Anyway, one. when you're ready to sell the property, um, we buy a new appraisal and we look at the difference in the two appraised values. First, we apply that, that first calculation, the 500,000 divided by 800,000, because that's the portion that is not invested by the homeowner, right? It's under market sale price. Mm. Of the remaining portion, depending on how long they have lived there, they will get from 25% to 50% of the difference in the value, okay? And, you know, it, it's not everything, but, you know, it normally, on a normal leasehold, at the end of your lease, when you leave, you pack up your bags, you leave, that's it. You get yeah. nothing to go with. You're lucky right? if you get your security deposit. Right. And then we, um, you know, for, uh, for our families, they do. And I just went back real quick. We have had six resales, and our families, from the resale formula, okay, the difference between the values and their percentage of interest in it, has run from uh, starting at about 12500 up to, sorry, $76,000. That is the portion of the resale value that the homeowner took with them when they left our program. Many of them have been able to go into the open real estate market and buy market rate homes. Yeah, with $76,000, that's, that's a good little chunk of change that you saved up. Yes, and every single homeowner that has left, has left with money in their pockets. So, you know, I, I think most people think of, you know, leasehold, you'll never get anything, it's just throwing money away. But in the Community Land Trust program, you do get a share of the equity, but it does take equity to get anything, right? The market has to go up. Over time, it has. Uh, and it depends on, you know, what the ratios are and how long you've lived there. I mean, it makes sense. You, you do have to have some, some skin in the game to, to get that return on investment. You need the initial investment. But you know, even beyond the money that they're getting at the end with the resale, that, that security 
that they have by having that 99 year lease and the home of their own for, cause it really is their home for, for that term. And, and, you know, we know that there's so many benefits that come along with home ownership and, and you still get all of those benefits, but it's affordable and it's going to stay affordable for the folks after you. Yeah, it's, it's really an amazing program. And you know what our families have told us, first of all, you know what the rental market is out there. It's crazy, right? Uh, now. It, yeah, it's highly, highly, actually, sky's the limit, right? Um, and your properties get sold out from under you, so you have to find a new rental, but that rental market is shrinking. There's less properties out there, there's more competition, and the rents go up. Our homeowners have found that the mortgage that they are paying for is less than the same size home out in the rental market, number one. Number two, it's not going to get sold out from other, under them. They have a 30-year fixed loan, so they know what their housing cost is going to be. And at the time you purchase, we limit um, the value of well, your income to your mortgage, your housing cost, at 30 to 35%. Okay, so mm. all of a sudden, you have these set expenses, and now you can either save money you can don't have to make hard choices between nutritious food, you know, whether or not you uh, get medical treatment, you can save for retirement, you can save for your kids' education. Our families really are better off. And then to go back to what I was talking about earlier about the down payment. So as a realtor, you know that if it's less than 20% down, you have to pay PMI, private mortgage insurance which is like a second mortgage. It's huge depending yeah. on the sale price, right? With our program, because the appraised values come out so high, our homeowners do not pay PMI. No kidding. Right there, there's a huge savings for them also. And it also means they can qualify for the loan. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's great. So what are the, um, who are the folks that are qualifying for these homes? Who is your, your target audience that, that you are helping here? Okay, our target audience, um, our constituents really, are those families, households. I mean, a family of one is still a family. Yes. Um, so yeah, households in Maui County that uh, earn between 80 up to 140% of the area median income. That's determined annually based on HUD. Mm. They do the calculations. Part of it's based on the uh, census and a number of other reports that they collect periodically, which is one of the reasons we really encourage people to complete the census um, so that we can be fully represented and the fair amount of funding from the feds can come to Maui County. That, that 80 to, to 140 AMI, that's a pretty big window and a lot of folks don't even know what AMI stands for. So that's area median income. And Correct. roughly what kind of income are we talking about in that window? Well, there, you know, I have, <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> it changes every year. <clears throat> and um, so basically what I do is I go to the county website to pull those numbers so I'm accurate. And honestly, I don't think I have them up right now. Um, let me see if I can find them real quick. And if I can't, I will get back to you on that. But I would say roughly for a family of four, we're probably looking in the uh, 90,000, high 80 to low 90,000 range. Okay, that so. makes sense. And, and, you know, that sounds like a significant amount to a lay person. It, you know, you just said family of four, high 80s to low 90,000. That mm -hmm. is 
that is not a lot of money. If you no. consider, you know, if you have two people working jobs that are paying $45,000 a year, that is, that is still pretty significantly low income for an individual in Maui County. And, and those folks would not be able to afford a market rate price. One of the things that we track at RAM is the um, affordability index. And the idea behind the affordability index is it tells us what somebody making, uh, you know, the average income in uh -huh. the Maui. So, so that would be 100% AMI roughly. The, what percentage of a median priced home could they afford with that income? Yes. And what, what we're seeing is that person could afford or that household could afford roughly 47% in a good month of, of what it costs to have that home. That is unattainable. But what you're yes. talking about is, is actually attainable for people. That's correct. And that's the best part. I mean, you know, we, we started in 2006. We were a grassroots membership-based organization. And a lot of realtors were involved in the initial discussion because the realtors were the first to recognize and then take steps to try and find solutions for the fact that housing was out of control in terms of pricing and that families were just totally priced out of the market. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the increase in value on the houses, the market rates could never be reached by a normal working couple. So uh, we've been around since 2006. Um, we actually started acquiring properties in about 2008 when we started having the just implosion of the uh, mortgage uh, market, what they were calling the Great Recession. Yeah, that and, meltdown. Um, we are actually, Nahalio Maui is a real estate company. I'm the principal broker, uh, and I also have a salesperson that is our housing coordinator. So we're members of RAM. We were able to take advantage of all the data, all the listings, all of the information on the RAM website. We could track and see which neighborhoods were the most impacted by this horrible event that was going on. And um, we were able to secure funds from the federal, um, they were called Neighborhood Stabilization Program funds. It was a one-time fund that was given out to the states. It was administered by the state of Hawaii and the County of Maui Affordable Housing Fund. And with those funds, we started to acquire foreclosed and abandoned homes. Believe it or not, one of the most impacted neighborhoods was the legends in Maui Lani. Almost 50% of those homes were going into foreclosure. And that's where we started. We bought the houses. They were foreclosed. They were abandoned. They were deteriorating. We went in and rehabbed the houses and started selling it to our income qualified families. So, um, you know, as time went by, it just, the market kept moving up and we were priced out of foreclosures. It had become too expensive for us as others were getting involved, a lot of them investors uh, who saw good opportunities there and that's entirely understandable. So then we were lucky enough to shift over to the Kahoma project where we did those 12 houses together. So over the last 14 years that we've been in existence, we have created either uh, rehab, or built from scratch 46 homes 
for our island families. So the growth has been there. Uh, it has been, we hope, a little steady. We would love to see more. Sometimes we're asked, you know, it's not enough. But, you know, for an island family, every house counts. Mm -hmm. Every additional house that's affordable helps an island family. So we are continuing to try and add more to our, our uh, homeowners. We just bought back another home from one of our early homeowners in Kahului. We're in the middle of rehabbing that home. That means we have uh, taken care of deferred maintenance. We are changing out all of the windows that were old anodized aluminum single pane windows. Now there are high E windows. Um, we are uh, replacing the appliances that, that were in really poor shape. We are painting inside and out. Um, you know, we are, we've replaced uh, bathroom vanities. We're replacing, you know, toilets and whatever has to be done. That house is going to be coming up for sale probably in November. And those families, those households who have taken our four steps, um, then they are placed on the qualified buyer list. And all of those families are informed when we have a house available for sale. That is massive that you guys undergo all of those repairs and, and maintenance and upgrades prior to putting it up for sale again. You know, yes. I, I have, my wife and I have been lucky enough to, to buy a home and we got in there, uh, I guess it was early 2017, right when the last of the, the somewhat affordable homes were actually yes. up for sale. And the amount of, of time and money that's gone into just changing windows alone, like that's a great example. That's a lot of time and effort and money that can go into that. And, and not only is it good for the environment that you're upgrading the windows and that building envelope, um, but you're saving folks a lot of hassle and making mm -hmm. you know, these improvements. Regarding your inventory in these houses, it sounds like these are your houses are spread out throughout various communities in, in the island, which is a really fascinating approach to, you know, quote unquote, affordable housing to me, because Malilani is not like a bad part of town at yeah. all. They're very nice homes. And, you know, if you drive through neighborhoods, you cannot tell our homes from any other market rate homes. Um, in fact, sometimes I think our homeowners take better care of their homes. They have really great pride of ownership and they do what they need to you know, to, to keep it up. Um, but I wanted to make one other comment about what you said about, um, you know, it saves the homeowner from having to do the windows. When you're talking about low to moderate income families, they can get into the house, they cannot afford to do deferred maintenance. Yeah. And that's why we take care of it. Um, so that it's in great shape. And don't forget, we have a lease with them that's potentially almost 200 years. We want that house to be standing <laughs> for the entire term of the lease. So that's why we want to make sure before we resell that the house is in good shape. Do you guys do um, checks on these houses throughout the life of the lease? Yes and no. Um, we have the right to, uh, you know, inspect the grounds annually. But, you know, the other thing we were talking about earlier, we actually give our homeowners a deed to the improvements. And, and that does a couple things. Psychologically, it's a deed. You own it, right? It is to the improvements. I think that's where some of this pride of ownership comes from. Mm. Um, 
we do not disrupt our families. We don't ask to come in and see the house or anything like that, even though a landlord, a lessor has a residual right. Um, but we do drive by periodically and when we spot things, we might contact the family and make sure that they don't need some help. It might be something as simple as pointing them in the right direction, helping them find resources that can help them, or even understanding what the issues are. For instance, we had one homeowner that noticed that there was uh, some movement in a rock wall that they had around their property. So they call us. I went out, took a look at it, and we sat around and talked about it. Well, we stood around and talked about it. Um, but they have a better understanding of what they can do, whether or there are issues that need to be taken care of, and um, reacquainted with the fact that if they do decide to change the type of wall that they have, that they do need to clear it with the HOA, if there is one, and to ensure that it meets county code. So we always help our family. So we, we feel that we are stewards of the land, of the homes, and of our homeowners, and we are really invested in their success as homeowners. Now, you, you mentioned that some of the ways that you've increased your inventory, uh, the, you partnered with Cahoma Village and, and you had constructed there, the new construction there, and um, you had taken advantage of foreclosures in the past. Uh, are there other means by which you've been able to increase your inventory over the years? Uh, I'm, I'm currently trying to convince my wife that we need to, to give you our house after we die. We'll put that in our, our trust documents. So that's, that's one way I would imagine. Um, how, how, can we, how can we help you get more inventory? Because I, I, think, I think the criticism in, to, to a certain degree is somewhat valid in that it points out just how vast our need is for housing. So how do we get you guys to be the folks who are taking care of that need? Well, you know, there, there are many, many ways. First of all, you cannot build affordable housing without subsidies. Mm. Now, Haleo Maui has gone to the County of Maui for significant amounts of subsidies over the years. Um, one of the ways to help us is that when we do go in, we apply for uh, RFP uh, for the Affordable Housing Fund, either to have recommendations or letters of support from other people in the community. If we are selected and we go before the council, if you can testify, uh, and support affordable housing and point out the value that would be, um, you know, accessed by Nahale O'Malley and the Community Land Trust. Because here's the, the other thing that um, I think people lose sight of. Yes, it takes subsidies for housing and housing subsidies are significant, but when they go into a Community Land Trust, they stay in the property forever. On a regular uh, sale, even on affordable housing or workforce housing, under the market with the developer, there is a really a set time. I don't think it's long enough. It's basically about 10 years. Yeah. And during that 10 years, you have to, if you it's resold, first you have to offer it to the county. If the county doesn't exercise its option to purchase, it can go to market right then. And essentially any subsidy from that sale goes into the pocket of the current homeowner. Once that property goes to market, it's no longer affordable. So, you know, one of the things that I've always been interested in the statistic, and I still don't know the answer, we can count up how many affordable 
houses have actually been created, but how many of those still exist today? I have that same question. And, and I was, I was curious, I wanted to ask you, has the county ever worked with, with you or your organization when it comes to that right of purchase, that, that they do have that right of first refusal? So how, how often do they do that? That's a great question. And, you know, I must be great minds think alike, because what's really funny is a couple years ago, well, it's not funny, uh, anyway, a couple years ago, the legislature approved and the governor signed a bill that gives the state or the county the ability to transfer their right to the option or, or a right of first refusal. They can give it to a qualified, uh, you know, nonprofit housing entity like Nahali O'Malley. And what's interesting is over time, we have actually had two homes that we have received from the county. One was a home that was left in a will to an affordable housing entity, but didn't specifically name anyone. Mm. So it went back to the county and then it came to Nahali O'Malley. The other year, there was a home that I know of the first time that the, the county actually exercised its option to purchase. They bought the house and then I wrote an RFP and we were awarded that house. So, you know, there's, there's a huge opportunity there. And unfortunately, I'm afraid with what's going on today with COVID and with um, all of the um, furloughs and the, and the deferrals on the mortgage, I'm afraid at some time in the future that bill is gonna come due. Mm. And if we see families that need to sell their properties, we would love to be in a position to have the county give us the option so that we can keep those homes affordable. The other thing that's great is we took that home that would have been affordable for 10 years. They were selling at two years. It could have gone to market at two years. And they, we converted that to a home that will be affordable again in perpetuity forever. So there's a lot of good things that, that can happen. And as you said, you know, people remember us in their wills or in their trust. That's one way they can join our membership, which is minimal. It's $36 a year to support what we do. Um, they can support us at the county. Um, and we also uh, have been, oh my goodness, we have been absolutely blessed. Um, McKenna Golf and Beach Club for the last three years has given us a, uh, a golf tournament completely without charge That's and awesome. um, yeah and the first year i think we made about thirty thousand. the second year we made a little more last year we made fifty thousand. and of course now today it's a little bit different but they're trying to still help us with something but you know community members businesses and families all come together to support us because who doesn't know somebody out there that's at risk of either leaving or you know crowding in with mom and dad my brothers and sisters and all our kids i mean who hasn't been touched by someone that needs affordable housing we we need to we need to increase the amount of affordable housing and we need to keep it affordable and that's something that a community land trust is created to do I, I love the model. I, I think your organization should just be the default for the county. I, I wish that um, I wish we could use this CARES Act money for land acquisition and, and property acquisition. 
because it that's that's what's going to serve us in the long term the best for our residents here because you guys when you formed this group in 2006 you said yes that was so prescient you know it was it was so wise that you saw what was coming down the line back in 2006 and I'm sure you might have had your doubts whether it was even necessary in 2008 when, you know, housing prices took a hit and you, you must have felt bad. But even still, this recovery is, is crazy. At, at the start of the pandemic, we were expecting housing to, to plummet. Mm -hmm. And our recovery took a month, two months for housing to recover, something like that, something insanely quick. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm so happy that you're doing it. To to go on the the inventory aspect of it again, so are these all single family standalone structures? They are, and you know it's interesting. I, if you've watched some of the condos that have been um, set up in an attempt to sell to affordable, you know there's a lot of reasons why the families that are income qualified don't make it all the way through the sale. Um, but one of the things we found is that people really want home they don't want a condo um, and maybe it's because we're a nation of pack rats but we want to fill our garage <laughs> full of our toys and our overflow from the house and you can't do that in a condo yeah um, but I, you know there are a lot of reasons but um, you know fees. our families want homes yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense and when it comes to to the families that you have in the program can they in real estate, we often talk about the life cycle of housing and the, the housing ladder, um, how somebody might start off with a, a small studio mm -hmm. rental and then work their way up and then work their way back down the ladder again. Uh, is that uh, a method within the Nahali program to work up that ladder and, and you know scale down as, as you age through it? Or is this really primarily for folks getting their first house? Um, I think it's both and I think that you know, our families are large. Mm. We, we have some couples, but we have four or five, six children to a family. Um, and because of that, and because of the need for the housing that, that they're looking for, we've kind of focused on the single family dwelling. And our homes have been larger. They're primarily three and four bedroom homes. Um, there is some ability, you know, if we had someone outside that wanted to sell their house and then they wanted to buy one of our houses contingent on their sale, we would mm. not agree to that. However, if they are one of our homeowners and they're in the process, then we will work with them to see. But they still have to work through our, um, our policies and procedures, and we do have one for home buyer uh, selection. But uh, they would not be precluded from being able to sell. All right, now let's say I am a realtor and I've got a friend, they're, they're interested in home ownership, but they're not ready. They, they don't have a big chunk of money, but it sounds like they might be good for your program. Where do I send them and what can they expect? I'd start by going to our website. It's uh, nahaleomaui.org and you will find a wealth of information there. Before he left, John Anderson, our previous executive director, we filmed him, videotaped him during one of our homeowner presentation, home buyer presentation. So there are clips on the, um, the internet there that you can hear a lot of what we talk about. So there have been some changes. And as I mentioned earlier, there is four steps we go through. 
the first is to attend one of our seminars. Now, it's been a little difficult because of the COVID-19 and we can no longer meet in large groups, um, but we are going to have one uh, on the 17th of this month and we'll be doing, we'll be using Zoom to do it. Um, then you do need to get pre-qualified by the lender of your choice. You need to um, attend a HUD approved home buyer course it's roughly eight hours. And right now they are um, being held by Habitat for Humanity and uh, Hale Mahauru. That course is really a great course, I think, for anyone. It mm. helps you understand how important credit is, how to repair your credit, how to increase your credit scores, and how to prepare for home ownership. I would recommend it to anyone, uh, not just people that are trying to buy a home. A lot of the lenders require that type of course, and any of the affordable housing projects also requires that. And then we have the fourth step, which is a meeting with our housing coordinator, and we basically go through the lease with you so you really understand what you're getting into. And from my perspective in real estate, there's no good surprises. <laughs> You want to make sure that people fully understand what they're getting into. We don't want buyer's remorse. Um, although I'll tell you, we would have no problem finding another buyer for any property that we have. You know, so we want them to be really well educated. So once you complete those four steps, we put you on our qualified buyer list. And then you are notified anytime we have a house that's available for sale. So for instance, this next one in Kahului, we'll notify everyone. Not everybody wants to be in Kahului. Some people want to be in West Maui. Some people want to be up country or in South Maui. So people self-select out. So out of all of the people that are on our qualified buying list, not everybody goes to look at a house. Yeah. And from that set, subset of interested parties, if they do want to proceed, they give us a piece of paper basically saying that. Then they have to qualify with the lender for the specific house price. And then once that happens, then it goes to our home buyer selection committee that does a blind buyer selection. They do not know who the buyers are, no names. They only know family one, two, three, four, five, however many, but there is information that the family size is appropriate to the house. So how many people in the household, you know, that type of thing. So we have two sets of criteria. One is um, that you're income qualified, that you're old enough to buy a house legally, things like that. And then a secondary set of um, uh, selection criteria that they use to make the determination on who is selected as the home buyer. And again, it's a blind selection. Our um, directors do not know who the buyers are. I really like that blind selection process. I, I don't know if I would have had the, the forethought to include that, but that makes it a very equitable uh, way of determining who gets chosen for the home. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that Nahali O'Malley was created in 2006, but the Community Land Trust concept has been alive around the world and certainly in the U.S. and Canada for probably since uh, in its current uh, form probably since the end of the 60s. And there are more than 200, 250 community land trusts. So there is lots of information out there. And that's what we did. We took a look at, you know, what's going on, what's working, what are our choices. 
before we decided exactly how our program would, would run. So we did not have to reinvent the wheel. Mm. And we could take the best practices from many, many other experienced community land trusts and put it together so it works for Mahale Maui and Maui County and Hawaii. And it works so well that uh, we've been able to help community land trusts form in Kauai and also on the Big Island. And both of those entities are now uh, fully legally formed and have obtained their IRS determination letters. So, you know, we're spreading. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. And you're absolutely right. This model is, it, it's very old. Uh, even even in some levels, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the the British Crown still yes. owns all the property in England, and everything is just hundred year leases, and they've been doing that for for centuries. Yeah. So so we have foundations for this sort of thing, and yes. if we're talking about, um, I mean, I'm going to say something controversial, but it is hard to deny that there are certain questions about the the um, how equitable the United States acquisition of Hawaii was, um, how valid the United States acquisition of Hawaii was. There, there are definitely questions as far as whether that was, was appropriate or not. And, you know, historically, it's difficult to undo a lot of that. But it, it really begs the question, is property ownership on a place like Maui or, or in a state like Hawaii completely appropriate? when there are so many questions as far as who has um, ethical or moral or equitable rights to the land. And when you have so many of those questions, I really love the notion of a land trust to, to be able to, to get rid of some of the, the sticky parts of those questions. You know, I love the idea of, of Nahale O'Malley's Community Land Trust. I love uh, Hawaiian Island Land Trust. I, I love this idea that yeah, there's some things that we are going to preserve for everybody, for, for later generations to mm -hmm. be able to access with the same level of, of ease as people in current generations. And right now, with the model of, of home ownership that we have in Hawaii, it certainly makes it difficult for a lot of parcels of land to be accessed the way that, that maybe they should be um, mm -hmm. and, and to be available to people who, who really have connections to this place. So I think the the model of a land trust is just a really great model. I, I know I keep on repeating that. Uh, I think I, I just, the reason what sparked this all was I am just for the listener, some extra context. I reached out to Cassandra um, after looking at the application for the affordable housing fund. I, I have the, the pleasure of being on that scoring committee to, to review these applications. And it's just such a smart model. And I had, I've talked to, to Cassandra before. We, we've, we've been in plenty of meetings together. And I guess I, I just fell in love with, with your ideas all over again, um, seeing them compared to other, other plans. And there are some great projects out there. I mean, mm -hmm. Doug Bigley, he proposed a project that's 100% affordable housing. And it's, it's a great setup. What people don't realize is that we are paying a lot of money for that. It's a lot of federal and state and county subsidies that are going towards it. But the problem is, like, like you pointed out, what happens in 15 years, 20 years with those houses? Are those all going to be available and affordable in 20 years? I don't know, but yours will. Yes. Actually, you can say that they won't be affordable in 20 years because right now, um, you know, 
10 years is the limit. Now, the county has flirted with uh, perpetuity, but it's a different thing when you're talking fee simple. Yeah. And, you know, the impact to values when you put something like that in a deed restriction, um, you know, I don't think has been understood. Um, so, you know, there, there's lots of things going on out there. Um, even if they were to extend it for 30 years, 30 years is not enough. No. It just isn't. Um, and, you know, we've seen, I mean, they're expecting 30%, a third of our workforce, our families, to leave Hawaii and move to the mainland where there are more opportunities, where the cost of housing is less and where the cost of living is less. We cannot afford to lose 30% of our workforce because the ones that are moving are the brightest and the best and have the skill sets to be wanted elsewhere. You know, it's another brain drain. I mean, we need to keep our families here and they belong here. I mean, mm. many of these families have been here for generations. Um, we have to give them opportunities. And I do agree that there are many families that need help. Some need to have it on the very low end, which is where I think much of the um, council focuses right now you know, 60% and below, 80% and below. Those are basically rentals. Yeah. And those are rentals that will be subsidized forever until they're no longer affordable. Because to live there, you're going to have to have, uh, you know, uh, Section 8 funding and different things like that to support the families that are in there. But you cannot, uh, you know, just abandon the 80 to 120 or 140% of the families because a lot of those are our workforce. They're the people that are actually running the departments for the county and many, many businesses. And we just need to find a way to expand housing opportunities to help them. Absolutely. I, I think we lose sight of, of just how, how relatively little 80% of AMI or 100% of yeah. AMI or even 120% even of AMI is. It's your so you're making 120%. That sounds good, but that's 20% above average. That, and and even, even the, the median, or I should say it's 20% above median, even the median, that's, that's right in the middle of, of yeah. the pay scale. It's not yeah. as though it's, it's a significant, exorbitant amount, median income. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I hear you, and, and you're absolutely right. You're, what you're providing is something that, that can really build generational wealth, but those, those you know, the 60% and below, it really is going to be exclusively rent. And when you're renting, you can't really save up. No. You know, the, yeah. the mortgage payments for our house ended up being, we wouldn't have been able to get our house for the rent payment that we're paying in mortgage. Right, right. It just makes way more sense. So right. I, I love it. Um, yeah. And, you know, um, many of our families are just one disaster away from not having housing at all. Mm. I mean, you can have a medical emergency. You can have your car fail. We're living paycheck to paycheck even before the pandemic hit us. And it doesn't take much. And if you miss your rent once or twice, you know what that means. And then yeah. where do you go? You know, you either are bunking in with family. We have families where they had six of them in one bedroom. You know, how, what, what is the impact to our children? And that's really, you know, the benefit really accrues to the children that have safe, secure housing. 
And if you can get them in there, they do better in school. They join clubs or play sports or do other activities. And they grow up to graduate from high school. Many of them go on to additional education. Um, and, you know, they become a part of the fabric of our community. We all benefit. So we need to take a look at the children today that need housing. Where do they, where do we want them to be in 15 or 20 years? You know, yeah. it's a long-term solution. I really do. Okay. Let me see if I can pull this up. Don't mind me. Um, of course, it would help if I could see, let's see. Uh, 150%. Okay. So this is last year's. I didn't pull up this year's, but um, oh, I don't even think this is the right table. I was looking for the, the income table. Mm. I was actually looking at the sales. And you know, the other thing that's interesting is I have seen the, at the council hearing um, just recently on a housing project, um, and I hear it quite often, people complain that the, um, the prices are unaffordable. And there's two things that happen. Um, they blame the developer mm. for, um, you know, those prices. But if those developers are doing affordable housing, those numbers, those dollar values are set by HUD, Housing and Urban Development. That's a great point. Okay, They are not set by the developer. And basically the developer has to determine whether they can make any profit at those prices for them to move forward with the housing. And it's not inexpensive to build housing, it's very expensive. So sometimes I get the sense that people feel like the house is $600,000 and that developer is taking that $600,000 and putting it right in his pocket. Well, that's not true. You know, he, whatever it cost him, it takes, I would say, and I'm, I used to be involved in development. Um, my family uh, did the development for the Wailuku Industrial Park, as well as Waihu Heights and were involved in um, the first new Wailuku Heights for many years. It takes anywhere from 10 to 15 years easily to get entitlements before you can even break ground. What does that cost? And then if somebody files a lawsuit against the LUC or you know, objects to something else, how many years does that add? You know, there are costs of development that are more than the hard costs that people imagine right oh, yeah. so we need to create a, a truly streamlined process to get developments faster so we can build houses faster nonprofit can't afford to do that because the risk is too high for us too many years for us and we don't have the funding to do that kind of work mm. okay let's see a family of four last year in uh, 2019 the median income was, oops, hang on, don't mind me, was $83,800. For a family of four. For a family of four. 120% of AMI area median income was 100560 for a family of four. That's not a, an outrageously high amount at all. That's, that's two people making $50,000 a year. Yeah. That and is... with that, you cannot qualify for 
a market rate home. You can barely meet your rent and maybe start savings for a down payment. I mean, you know, it, it is really tough for our workforce. And what's tough is that the, the affordable housing fund scoring criteria is not friendly to, to a no. project like Nahalio Maui, which, no. was, which was really troublesome to me because there are some projects that have applications in there where I'm looking at it and I'm looking at their timeline and they're checking all these boxes. You know, they're servicing you know, 30% to 50% AMI mm -hmm. in perpetuity for, for years to come. But where they have their project, um, they don't have the right zoning. On, on either the state level or the county level. They're in a hundred year flood zone. They need, um, they have issues as far as school districts, school impact fees are massive and our schools Which are full to the we, brim yeah. right now. There are all these things where I'm looking at these applications and I'm saying somehow this person, this, this application currently has a higher score than the Holly O'Malley. And if we give them this money, there is a real chance that their project will never get built. Right. never get built. The money might go towards one of the environmental impact, uh, you know, tests that they have to do or, or reports that they have to get published, but they're not going to build houses. And if they do, it's going to take another decade before they get the right zoning or whatnot. And what you guys propose is with, once you give us this money within a year, we're going to have at least four or five houses, affordable yes. houses that are going to be in perpetuity affordable. Correct. And and I, I don't think, um, I, I think the problem is with the, the scoring criteria. I, I think that um, it's great that the council wants to focus on, on that very low area, but by abandoning that, that 80 to 120%, that is literally the middle class on Maui. Yes. That is, that is abandoning the middle class. And it's the middle class that always ends up being the backbone of an economy. Correct. Correct. And you know, the other thing, Jason, is we're realtors. We know how the market works. Okay. If I go along with what the, um, the scoring is for the RFP. Okay. I have to have the property. Now I'm going to go to, let's say I'm buying your house, Jason, I'm going to buy your house for X dollars, but you have to wait uh, at least a year for me to do it because I have to apply for an RFP. I have to have a contract with you so that I can show that I have tied up the site, you know, and I have to go through all of these steps. I have to be, I have to meet the criteria initially. I have to go to the council and the council has to approve it. Then I have to wait while they write the contract. And then I have to sign that contract. And then, then I have to front the money to you I have to pay it out of my pocket. I'm a small nonprofit, okay? No deep pockets at all. And then I can apply to the fund for reimbursement. Now, how does that work in the real world? It doesn't. It doesn't. Last year, I applied for the RFP and we did not meet the criteria. So we were not selected. We had no opportunity to present our project to council. The project we're proposing is exactly what we did when we were buying the houses during the last downturn in the economy and providing houses for income qualified families. But the way that it's set up, um, I don't imagine that we'll be selected this time either. Mm. And that's, that's a shame. And I, I'm partially to blame for it because, you know, with that criteria, with that scoring criteria, I can't just like make up numbers, even though I want to, I'm tempted to. 
But yep. uh, as far as the sheer logic and efficiency of your model, it is superior to a lot of ideas that are being floated out there. Right. You know, well-intentioned ideas, but you guys Absolutely. just, as you said, you've got a model that's hundreds of years old. You've yeah. taken the best pieces from all of these different folks who have been working on different versions of it and, and you put it into play here. Let's just stick with it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's push the council to, to give you guys the right of first refusal and lots of money whenever we get yes. a chance. That would be, you know, that would be perfect. I mean, that's what we want initially. We want that, they, we want them to set up a, a procedure so that we, they will give us the option to purchase. They'll step out of the way, let us take it. But then we need funding to be able mm. to do that. And the RFP for the affordable housing fund comes out once or twice a year. Yeah. Well, and I- the time lag is uh, a killer. <laughs> it really is. How long does it take for them to get you the money after you, you submit the application? Um, it depends. I, you know, we have to put in the applicant, uh, the request for the funding and then provide them, um, invoices and whatnot that, that they are, um, comfortable with mm. and then they'll release it. Um, but it's, you know, it's a bureaucracy. So I would guess anywhere from, if you're lucky, maybe 30 days to 60, if there's no, you know, glitches. Mm. And that, that could be a lot of time. I'm, I'm shocked that even 30 days happens. I'm shocked. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if somebody got 30 days and, and they got money. Um, I want to say I signed up to be a member of Nahali O'Malley. I want all of our members to do it. I'm going to be, Thank you. that's we what I'm going to be stressing. It. I always stress people to donate to the food bank because I love the food bank. And now I'm, I'm Me always too. going to be stressing I, I donate. <laughs> and you know, this, this, conversation is a little bit different than more recent podcasts that I've done where I've been talking to uh, candidates for, yes. for counsel. So they, I always end with them with the, these five questions because they're trying to sell themselves and, and we get to know them a lot more. I, we didn't get to spend a lot of time talking about you and I'm sorry about that, uh, but we're going to have that opportunity now. I want to close up our interview by asking you the five questions that I ask all of my guests. So, Before you do that, yes. if I could interrupt, Jason, thank you for becoming a member. We really appreciate it. Our members are the reasons that there are 46 families in Maui County that have housing. We absolutely can't do it without you and we truly, truly appreciate it. And you know, the Board of Realtors was one of the first organizations to support Mahali Maui. Mm. They gave us a grant early on for operations to get us up and running we have never received another grant Ooh, um, but let's, without let's it, work we, on that yeah but you know what and again we're realtors we appreciate what you do we couldn't do it without all of you i just wanted to take a moment and really truly thank you it's it's a pleasure and you guys make it super easy really anybody listening just go to nahaleomaui.org uh you can get involved by right at the top, there's a donate button and it's $36 for an annual membership. You could click it so that it, it repeats. You don't even have to keep on going back every year. Just repeat your membership. That's what I did. And you can make additional donations. You could set those for repeat. It's, it's really easy and it's definitely worth doing because it's an investment in your community it, and it's a long-term investment in the community. I love it. it. It really is. And I am a member too. I'm a member that donates monthly. Um, it's, I mean, this is not just a job. I believe in this. This is what's important to me. 
So I appreciate everybody else that helps too. And you all do. Thank you. And I'm going to put a link to, to the website where you can donate on the, the description of this podcast Thank when it goes you. out so that people can just click. Okay, your questions. All right, let's do the fun stuff. So first question, Cassandra, what book would you recommend? You know, I read voraciously. I can't go to bed at night without reading for a little while. So I just go through lots and lots of books. Um, I can't think of anyone in particular because... I try to use my reading as an escape from reality. <laughs> so I'm looking for something enjoyable. Uh, you know, I'm looking for the happily ever after or, you know, things work out. So I, I'm not sure that I can actually recommend something that would make sense to anybody else. Um, just read, read. <laughs> I will steal your recommendation and I will give people a silly recommendation. I am uh, reading, I just finished a book called Sleeping Giants. And I am on the sequel to that, which is called Waking Gods. And oh. it is a fun sort of sci-fi romp in the style of World War Z, where they do awesome. interviews and, and testimony and journal entries as the form of narrative instead of a straight narrative. And it's a really fun, quick read. I think it's more along the lines of young adult lit. Uh, but uh -huh. it's got giant robots from outer space. So, I mean, how could you beat it, right? That sounds right up my alley. I'm going to absolutely read that. Thank Outstanding. you. Outstanding. <laughs> You're most welcome. Um, for question number two then, who do you admire and why? You know, I, I would have to say my mom. Um, she's been gone for many years, but you know what? My mother uh, in her generation was a developer, unheard of. There were no women developers. She was incredibly strong. She's one of these 30,000 blue sky guys that can see the vision, right? And um, she was always supportive. Uh, she's just an incredible mentor. And, um, and I've had, been lucky enough to have many, many other mentors and people I admire. And one of them, another one would be John Anderson, who was the previous director of Nahale O'Malley. He's another one, he had the vision. You need somebody very strong to take something from a concept to mm. reality. And he was able to do that. We had him come back for our blessing of um, the 12 homes for uh, Kahoma, the Kahoma homes. And oh my, you know, he worked so hard to get this thing started. And I know that it was a culmination of a dream for this organization, but he's another person that I admire very much. Very cool. What was your mom's name? Kay Abdul. Catherine oh, yeah. Abdul. Yeah. And when I mentioned earlier the develop, developments we did, Waihu Heights, um, Wailuku Industrial Park, um, Ocean View Estates was ours also. We started that uh, and then subsequently sold it when I wanted to go back to Honolulu to get my master's. Um, and we also worked with Wailuku Sugar on um, their Wailuku Heights but that was my mom. She's incredible. Excellent. I, I asked just because uh, so that we can, we can send some love her way, you know, think about her, pray. That's that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, where is your happy place? Oh, wait, sorry. I skipped a question. Let's jump back. When have you failed and what did you learn from it? This is one of my favorite questions. Okay. I'm not trying to talk around your question, but I want to say that there's no such thing as failure as long as you learn something from it okay, and you move forward to do better. 
I'm not saying I haven't had regrets in my life because I do and I have, but I like to think that until you give up, you haven't failed. And I'm just, that's the way I am. And maybe I learned that from my mom. You just keep on keeping on, hell on and get the work done. Fair enough. I am, you know, I, I wish I, I would have reminded myself of that when I failed the bar the first time. That's, that's my big go-to. I failed the bar the first time, but I did learn from it. So I, I turned it into a victory. Uh, and okay, where is your happy place? Question number three. Okay, we work with families that have struggled for years. You know, they're sleeping six to a bedroom. They're all crowded in. Um, they're hidden homeless. If you could be there when we can hold the keys to their first home and give it to them, oh my goodness, it just makes your heart feel so good to have a child for the first time in their life have their own bedroom. That's my happy place. That makes all of the hard work, all of everything that it takes well worth it and makes you want to do it again. I like that. That's beautiful. And finally, what one piece of advice would you give to anyone listening? Don't ever give up. Just keep working at it. You know, like they say, half the challenge is showing up at the job, right? Don't lose sight of the big picture. Don't get caught up in the weeds, which I think a lot of people do. Um, you know, keep, you need to be able to see at 30,000 feet as well as execute on your vision. Mm. And the only way to do that is to keep trying. If one way doesn't work, fine. There's another way that you can approach it. There's always alternatives. Um, just find them. And you'll, I think you'll succeed. Well, that is outstanding advice. Cassandra, thank you so much for your time and for what you've been doing, what you've been working on, for, for being such a good steward of this project, uh, Nahali Omawi, and, and driving it forward. And uh, I just, I appreciate you. I like you, and I appreciate you, and I, I just wish nothing but good things for you. That's it. Entirely my pleasure. Thank you. I, again, you know, you can't say it enough times. Thank you. I thank you personally your position at RAM. We've been at other meetings together. Um, you support the realtors and our vision. Um, we appreciate RAM for the support we get. Every one of our members, every one of you just makes us that much stronger, that much better. When I go to the council and they say, how many members do you have? You know, we have a different perspective when we say, oh, we have 30 members. The day I can say, we have a thousand members they might really take us seriously. <laughs> Let's do it. Ram members, get out there and force. We need a thousand and, uh, members for Nahali Maui. That's my that new goal. That would be great. That That's would be my, my one piece of advice for everybody. Sign up, be a member. I love it. All right, Cassandra, okay, I'm going to let you get, get on with your day. I'll talk to you later. Aloha. All right, bye.